right, welcome in to Farscast. Wow, it's been more than a month since uh, we last done a podcast. Hopefully I remember how to do this. All right, here we go. Welcome in. My name is Farzim Vasugian. Hope you guys are doing well. Hope you guys enjoyed the rest of your March and most of April. Uh, yeah, it's been a long time. We're streaming this live on the Facebook page. So appreciate those who are watching live on Facebook.com slash Vasugian. Also, appreciate those who are listening to the archived version, whether it's Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Amazon, iHeartRadio, pretty much anywhere where you can listen to a podcast. Uh, Appreciate everyone tuning in and listening to another episode of FarzCast. It's been a very long time. I see you guys in the chat. Welcome in. A lot to get into here on this episode of FarzCast. I've missed a lot of things, obviously, in the last month. Um, which I don't like to go back to old news, but there are some things that I do want to touch on. So I'll, uh, lightly touch on those subjects a little bit. Uh, one of the more significant NFL stories out there, uh, recently outside of the NFL draft, Odell Beckham Jr. has picked a team. It is the Baltimore Ravens. How does that impact everything in Baltimore with their quarterback situation? Carson Palmer had a hot take saying that Joe Burrow is better than Patrick Mahomes. Not necessarily his statement, but more so his reasoning has gotten him dragged. Uh, I did want to touch on the Thursday night football news with the NFL. I know that's a little old. The Kansas City Royals playing bad baseball. That needs to be discussed. Not because of the product, but because what the team wants to do in this city that... Is gonna, it's going to impact us financially. All of that and a whole lot more here on this episode of Farscast. I did want to touch a little bit on the uh, college hoops news with the NCAA tournament and more so a um, a local, uh, some, some local talk there. Also, I did want to touch on this. Uh, this is a very interesting story. Um, a YouTube, uh, a YouTuber... I don't know what you call these YouTube celebrities, YouTube pranksters. Um, there are a lot of them out there, but one YouTube prankster got shot while filming a prank for one of his YouTube videos at a mall. I did want to get on that uh, as well, uh, and we're going to do a bunch of quick hits here. Like I said, it's been a while since I've last done a podcast, so uh, there are some things to get into, uh, some things that I want to touch on. So it's going to be a, I don't know how long it's going to be. I try, I, I try to go, you know, give or take an hour. Uh, anything more than that can can kind of drag on. Blake's asking, what are your thoughts on re-signing Justin Watson? For, I almost read that as Justin Houston. Um, I like it. I really do. Um, listen, Justin Watson's not going to be your number one or your number two guy. I was kind of surprised with the mixed reactions here. Um, listen, this is a guy that, you know, I know he had one really terrible game where he dropped some passes, but... For the most part, he was very good when it came to providing depth for the offense. Whenever his number was called more times than not, he was pretty good. He had one terrible game where he dropped two passes and people want to go crazy over that. I mean, come on. The guy's a depth player for a reason. If this was a guy you were re-signing, relying on him to be your number one guy, yeah, I'd be pretty concerned. Uh, Teresa, hello, Jim, what's going on? Good evening to you, Ken. Ivan, what's going on? 
Sharon, Todd. I see you guys in the uh, in the chat. I appreciate you guys uh, joining us here. Delisa, what's going on? All right. Uh, if you guys have questions, uh, comment below. I'll try to – if I don't get to your question right away, um, what's up, Elaine? Um We'll uh, we'll discuss how uh, I'll get to your questions. Uh, so just be patient if you guys ask it. I'm I'm not gonna lie, man. I am thirsty right now. Um, can I fix the weather for the draft? What's the weather supposed to be like? I was about to ask where my phone was, but I realized it's right there. Um, but I am really thirsty right now, and it's kind of irresponsible of me to get up during a live podcast. Um, boy, I mean, if only I had it. Whoa, hey, what do you know? Got a drink right here. Oh, look at this. Oh, I, 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 perfect timing. I was really thirsty, too. Um, I, I'm just going to have a, a sip of this. For those of you listening to the podcast version, um, I got Eagle's Tears in my hands. Eagle's Tears. Yes, this is real. Um, I have not had this before. I have not had this. 58 and cloudy. Low 50s. Oh, that's the uh, weather forecast for the draft. Well... Midwest weather, what do you know? All right, I have not had this drink yet. Have you guys had Eagle's Tears yet? I have not had this. There was a UFC fighter from Philadelphia who fought in Kansas City, and I do want to get into UFC talk a little later on. A UFC fighter I've never heard of. And um, he called this place a dump all because of this drink. This is getting into the feelings of Eagles fans. I'm. This is my first time having it. Here we go. Oh, this is delicious. I'm not just saying it because it is. Listen, I'll tell you guys if something does not taste good, okay? I've heard the Eagle's Tears taste like cheesecake. Kind of does. Kind of does. Yeah, Matt, it does. E.T. E.T. Milk. Where did I buy it? Um, I got this at Hy-Vee. This one just magically popped up to me, as you guys saw. Boy, um, I don't mean to turn this into an ASMR or whatever they call it, but those Eagles tears are delicious. By the way, I heard someone complaining, saying that uh, they ran out of Eagles tears. Hold on, let me uh, let me show that entire thing on the screen. There we go. Listen, if you run out of these, um, I, I doubt Chateau's gonna, you know, re-release them. All you got to do is walk up to an Eagles fan, and you get refills just like that. Just like that. And listen, not all Eagles fans are assholes, okay? I mean, for those of you who comment on all you Eagles fans who commented on my page the week of the Super Bowl, you know what's funny? The uh when that uh man cave video went viral, I got a bunch of comments from uh Bengals fans talking shit. Then the two weeks it was Eagles fans and all those people uh you know just trying to Get into the comments. I see those comments. They're, those people are... You know what's really funny? People always say, oh, far as and you always talk about Raiders fans. Raiders fans were the ones who've come on my page for years. And I just decided to fire back last year. And where are all those Eagles fans now? Remember, what, I, I, I met Eddie Law, my good friend. He came over to Kansas City uh, for um, UFC Kansas City to, to cover the event. Uh, he's a Cardinals fan, and I was telling him, P- 
people, Raiders fans, were refusing on my page to give the Chiefs any credit for beating the Cardinals in week one because it was the Cardinals. Well, what happened the following week? They choked a 20-point lead away and lost in overtime. So, you know, obviously Raiders fans aren't even talking anymore. Raiders fans aren't even looking forward to the season. Raiders milk would taste like prison food, Ron says. Oh, that's funny. All right, uh, I've been doing enough stalling. We need to get into the uh, podcast here. Hey, if you guys got a question about anything you guys want to get into, comment below. I'd love to answer uh, you guys' questions. Let me know uh, what your guys' thoughts are uh, or comments, whatever. Or if you guys agree, disagree with, uh, with anything I say, uh, let me know. This is all uh, the reason I do these live, uh, all about interaction. The A's are going to Vegas. I saw that. I Listen, I, I'm happy for the city of Vegas. I really am. I'm actually glad the Raiders are in Vegas selfishly you guys know me like Vegas that that place is like my second home it really is um so it's kind of cool that the Chiefs play there uh at least once a year uh this upcoming season it's gonna be twice uh first they're gonna play the Raiders and then they'll beat whoever they need to beat in the Super Bowl um but yeah I'm 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 uh, I'm excited to um to see what's going the sports scene in, in Vegas is growing. People have always thought that hockey would not work. Look at the Vegas Golden Knights. I mean, those guys are, oh, you're an Avs fan, Teresa. I'm, I'm, I'm a Golden Knights fan. I will never forget the Avs when they were up on us 2-0 in a game a couple years ago in the playoffs. I, I, like, I thought we were dead. And the comeback the Vegas Golden Knights had. Um, but, yeah, I've been following hockey a little bit. The Kings had a nice comeback a couple days ago. Do I think the Chiefs are going to sign Jarek McKinnon? Yeah, uh, Brett Veach did a press conference today and was asked about that. And it sounds like the Chiefs are going to try to aggressively re-sign him after the draft, which makes sense. Uh, and he also mentioned he likes to take his time. That was kind of the case last year. He signed like in June or July, or re-signed, I should say. Veach mentioning trading back was enlightening. Wouldn't hate that. Yeah, I don't know. Just kind of depends on the... It's so hard to say right now what's going to happen. Like, who's all going to be gone and who's going to be available by the time you're picking 31st. Uh, and it's not like the Chiefs desperately need to trade up to get someone, right? I mean, you got your quarterback. You got a pretty good offense. I think the, I think the Chiefs like their receivers more than a lot of people thought. Um, what are your thoughts on Pat Mahomes Sr. saying today that the Bears had told Mahomes they were going to draft him? Yeah, I saw, I posted that earlier. Um, listen, every team fucks up on draft day, okay? Um, the Chiefs have been very, very good on draft day the past two years, but you look back in Chiefs history, there are a lot of players that you, listen, all 32 teams, including the teams that drafted these two guys I'm about to mention, Russell Wilson and Pat, uh, Tom Brady, they all pass on those guys. Um, like, the Chiefs drafting Tyson Jackson, that haunted Chiefs fans for a very... Like, you had the number three pick, and you could have had almost anybody, with the exception of the two guys that went before you. And they went with Tyson Jackson, of all guys. And I thought he got a little bit better under Romeo Cornell, but just wasn't living up to that number three hype. So, you know, those things happen sometimes uh, with um, with teams. Unfortunately for Chicago, uh, because they pass on a, on a guy in Mahomes who is essentially being labeled as 
the most talented quarterback ever. Um, yeah, that's going to probably sting for a very long time. See, Blake just said we took Dodd Blackledge when we could have had Dan Marino or Jim Kelly. Someone else commented, too, on that post that I had. Um, yeah, listen, you could go through all 32 teams and go through every player. There are 10 teams that passed up on Patrick Mahomes, um, including the Bills, who had the number 10 pick and traded to KC. Now, I don't think the Bills and Bengals are losing sleep over it because they've got quarterbacks that they love, albeit they don't have a ring yet, uh, whereas Mahomes has two. And listen, there's the other thing too, like going into a, a system, which by the way, let me address this. You know what? I, I was not going to start with this, but let me just do this anyway with the Carson Palmer bullshit because before 2022, what did people say about Patrick Mahomes? There were a lot of doubters out there saying that Mahomes will never be the same. First in the beginning in 2018, when he was doing so well, it was, oh, well, he's going to get figured out after a few games. There's going to be tape on him, yada, yada. And then you look at the amount of success he had and people just didn't know what to say. Well, all of a sudden, they just pointed to, oh, he has Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. That's why he's so good. Tyreek Hill gets traded. Oh, well, now Mahomes is going to get exposed and the team's going to suck and the Chiefs are going to go back to what they were before Mahomes got there. Well, they just won a Super Bowl. Oh, but the refs helped him. Oh, but it's Andy Reid's system. Like, any, any possible way a hater can take credit away from Patrick Mahomes, they're doing it. Oh, he had Tyreek and Kelsey. Oh, he has Andy Reid, uh, his system. Um, You guys all know Jason Brown and just the amount of um, hate he's been spewing for um, for Patrick Mahomes. Uh, you guys remember that ring around the rosy snow globe play, whatever they call that? The Chiefs scored a touchdown on that play. Now, it got called back because of a BS holding call on Orlando Brown, but... He's even criticizing Mahomes, saying that Mahomes threw the ball too late. Like, we are just criticizing him now for the smallest things ever. Like, this guy, the amount of success he has, two MVPs, two Super Bowl MVPs, obviously two Super Bowl wins to go with it, and there are still people out there that are trying to discredit him any way possible. The same people who are saying that he's going to struggle without Juju Smith-Schuster are the same ones who said that Juju Smith-Schuster is not going to do anything to help Patrick Mahomes. Like at this point, it can't be all of the above. Pick one, stick with it. And then in the Super Bowl, a certain fan base out there, Eagles fans, were saying that, oh, the refs helped Mahomes. Which, by the way, um, while we're at it, since uh, Eagles fans like to cry about the refs. Let's drink some Eagles tears. It tastes really good, guys. First time having it. Cheers to you guys. Okay, didn't want to knock down the phone there. I was a little worried because, listen, you guys probably know my setup, but you guys can tell right here. I, I'm using a pool table in the man cave because that's just, that's just the way I do things. I don't have, like, a fancy setup. This is honestly, like, the best setup I can have because a lot of the rooms in this house... The lighting is just so bad. It just would not work out. I'm working on a setup, though. My concern was, if I did not like this and I wanted to spit this out, I have my laptop here, my phone here, my microphone right here, and then my pool table. This was not going to be... Uh, th th that just was going to spell bad things. When did this originate? Um, 
recently, like this month. Yeah. Shoutouts to, I, I, I think it's Chateau Mill Company. I think that's how you pronounce it. Chateau Mill Company. Uh, but yeah, Carson Palmer. He had a very interesting take on Joe Burrow versus Patrick Mahomes. He said that, uh, and I don't have the quote in front of me, so I'm paraphrasing here, but essentially what he was saying is that as great as Mahomes is, Joe Burrow is more patient and he actually sticks to the plan. I, I think what he meant by sticking to the plan is, is not scrambling whenever a, there's a busted play and he actually throws the ball. What exactly does that even mean? So because Mahomes knows how to improvise on a busted play, that makes Joe Burrow better because he sticks to the plan. Because so many people, like I just said a moment ago, they love to take credit away from Patrick Mahomes because he had Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey in his first, what, five years or four years as a starting quarterback. Well, look at um, look at Joe Burrow. I mean, listen, as much as I love Travis Kelsey, if the Chiefs were forced to trade all of their pass catchers, their receivers, and tight ends, and running back for Cincinnati's, dude, I would take that. Again, as much as I love, like, out of all those players, Kelsey's number one, but number two, three, four, five, I mean, you probably go with Jamar Chase, Higgins. Cincinnati's got a really good pass catching unit. So, for... And again, I'm not taking credit away from. I, I, look at any Super Bowl team that's won. They all have a good quarterback and a good coaching system and a good support system, a, a good depth chart. Like, that's essentially what people have criticized the Chiefs for. Mahomes specifically, oh, well, he's got all these great players around him. He's got Kelsey, he's got Tyreek Hill. Um,. Now, Andy Reid, like every single thing about this guy that he has, supposedly he he can't have it. Um, well, last I checked, that's how good football teams perform. That's the kind of output they produce. When you got a good coach, when you got a good quarterback, and when that quarterback has a good offensive line and good pass catchers around him, yeah. They're going to win a lot of games. They're going to win multiple championships. Ben Roethlisberger had that with Bill Cower and with um, I, his name escapes my mind right now, Mike Tomlin. And he had a lot of great receivers, uh, running backs, tight ends around him. You look at Tom Brady. Okay, Everyone knows about Bill Belichick and how great he is. Brady's had a plethora of great players around him. Uh, both in New England and in uh, Tampa Bay. You look at Peyton Manning, uh, especially in Indianapolis. I mean, the guy had Marvin Harrison and Reggie Wayne. And then he went to Denver. He had some good players too, and he turned those guys into top-tier players. And when Peyton Manning was gone, or whenever those receivers did not have Peyton Manning anymore, they were no longer as dominant as they once were. So, yeah, I mean, breaking news, people. When you have 
a great quarterback and a great coach and a great offensive scheme and a great tight end and a solid group of receivers around them, yeah, you're going to win a championship. That's how the game of football works. If you want to penalize Mahomes for this, just admit you are a bitter football fan that can't accept the fact that since day one, when Mahomes took his first regular season snap, this guy's essentially been unstoppable. He's had a few bad games. His worst game, I would say, was against the Titans when the Chiefs had that um, three and four start a couple of years ago. Remember that? Everyone thought Mahomes was figured out back then. That was back when he had Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey, too. Um, the second half of that AFC Championship game against the um, against the Bengals, that was bad. The first half of that AFC Championship game against the uh, the Patriots, that was bad, too. I mean, now we, we instead of like talking about full games where Mahomes has been bad, I, you have to like go and pick bad halves because he has not had a lot of bad games. Um, you know, if we're going to nitpick at this point, the game against the Rams where they both scored in the 50s, Mahomes had five, six touchdowns. Yeah, six touchdowns, but he also had five turnovers. Like we, at this point, we have to nitpick a game like that if we really want to talk about the top five worst Mahomes games that he's had so far in his career. Yeah. And I, I agree, Teresa. I, I think being behind Alex Smith for a year certainly helped. I think a lot of people were certainly impatient because Alex Smith got off to a great start that year. That was a really weird year for the chiefs. They, they started five and zero. Mahomes was playing lights out the best football he's ever had in his career. And then next thing you know, um, all right. I said, uh, Mahomes, Alex Smith, uh, you know, people weren't really sure what happened after that five and zero start. Things got really weird. The Raiders and the Chargers caught up, had a three-way tie at one point. It was pretty weird. Uh, I'm just trying to catch up on the comments here. Uh, my opinion on what Teresa, uh, Hey, we complained too when we sucked, when you are at the top. Yeah. I mean, listen, um, Good players tend to get more good calls at times. There's a reason why uh, the worst team in the NFL, I, I, who, who would that be, the Texans or the Bears? They don't get a lot of good calls because they're not ever in position to get those good calls sometimes. that Listen, missed calls, bad calls, those happen to all 32 teams. Um, I mean, look at Chiefs fans have complained about officiating at times. Yeah, I've said this for the longest time. Truly, the NFL was never out to help the Patriots. People are were always like, oh, Brady and the Patriots, they always get away with, with things. They always get calls. Do you know how many times Patriots fans have complained about officiating or the NFL trying to prevent them from winning? And now you have Chiefs fans that feel the same way. They feel like the NFL is trying to prevent them from winning for whatever reason. Um, yet the 31 other fan bases feel the exact opposite as DeAndre Hopkins coming to Kansas city. Yeah. A lot of people have been asking this. I did a Q and a on my uh, Facebook page and, um, this came up. I don't know. Uh, I really don't. Um, I think at the end of the day, if he doesn't get traded on draft day, I don't know when he's coming. 
to Kansas City, or, or or if he's going anywhere at this point. Um, I'd be very curious to know what the negotiating process has been like, what the asking price has been like. Apparently, Buffalo has become, they've emerged as the front runner to get him. Pacheco gave his number 10 up, so I'm thinking, oh, Pacheco gave up his number 10 jersey? Oh, weird. Well, I'm glad I did not get a Super Bowl jersey because I almost did. Um, no, I agree. The refs need to be consistent, Elaine. Um, there's a way to fix that, but the NFL doesn't want to fix it. And Ro- Roger Goodell on, uh, during Super Bowl week is saying, oh, well, officiating is the best it's ever been. Yeah, sure. Um, you're an idiot if you believe that. Uh, yeah, I don't know about DeAndre Hopkins, though. What If it doesn't happen during the draft or right after the draft, I'm not sure when it's going to happen. Clyde Edwards-Alaris history, you think, Ron? I don't know. Yeah, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, I'm not sure, like, what are you going to do with him? Because when Isaiah Pacheco and Jarek McKinnon played, those guys really helped move the offense uh, with Mahomes. They really did. Like, I'll even say this right now, and this is not like, I don't need this, this is an absurd opinion. In the last, like, six, seven weeks, Jarek McKinnon was probably the best player the Chiefs had in the regular season. Um, and that, again, I don't think that's an absurd opinion. The guy was AFC Offensive Player of the Month. Like, that guy right there, I think, did a lot to help lift the Chiefs, especially in some close situations. So, I hope he comes back. Uh, Brett Veach hinted that it'll likely happen after the draft, so we'll see. Uh, but Isaiah Pacheco, I mean, that dude runs like a grown-ass man. Um, I mean, he really, the, the way that guy played, even in the preseason, the way he's picking up blocks, and Jarek McKinnon does a great job of this too. I just don't know if you have any room for Clyde Edwards-Alaire. And I was really pulling for him. I thought Clyde Edwards-Alaire was off to a great start. He really contributed a lot for the Chiefs early on in the season last year. But unfortunately, he's an injury-prone guy. I I tried to be patient with that label. But in the three years that he has played in the NFL so far, all three of those years, he has missed a significant amount of time due to injuries. So I think at this point, you have to... Start thinking about moving on from him. Now, I heard some people mention, uh, you know, using him as trade bait in the draft. What realistically? What would what 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 would a team give up to get Clyde Edwards-Alaire? Or I don't know if you want to include him in a package to move up in a draft. The latter sounds more enticing. Now, I mean, no one's going to. No one is calling Brett Veach and saying, "Oh my God." That Clyde Edwards-Alaire guy, we want him on our team. So No, no one's doing that. Nobody's doing that. So if you're going to trade Clyde Edwards-Alaire, it better be... Yeah, see, Matt said a seventh... Oh, Matt Stone, the uh, writer for, from uh, from South Park's watching. Um, no, I, I, I wish it was. Um, yeah, Matt said a seventh-round pick. I mean, if you're happy with getting something instead of nothing, sure. Yeah, 
that that's probably that's probably what you're going to get at this point. You're not going to get much uh, for Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Uh, but yeah, Carson Palmer, I mean, look, I get it. You're a former Bengal. You, you want to support the team and all that, but come on, man. It's like any hot take out there to debunk Mahomes, it's always going to get headlines. Um, so he got his, uh, 15 minutes of fame, uh, during his retirement. Uh, I like Carson Palmer in Arizona. Uh, you know, his run in Oakland was awful, but then again, it's not saying much when it's Oakland. Uh, Creed Humphrey, dude is an anchor. Yeah. Um, Chiefs really hit a home run getting him in the second round a couple of years ago. Him and Trey Smith. Trey Smith was the steal of the draft two years ago and Isaiah Pacheco was a steal of the draft last year, probably. So, uh, I love what Brett Veach Palmer should go on the JP show. <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, you know what's funny? I, I, I was checking out his podcast just to see if he was spewing any more Mahomes bullshit. I just like skipped to a random part of his podcast. And he's, he says that when he was hiring assistant coaches, one of the questions he would ask them is if they got laid. Not necessarily that word for word. He, he actually worded it in a different way. I'm sure you guys can, can picture what the, um, what the exact wording was. But... <laughs> He's, his logic was, if you can't get laid, then you can't recruit. It's like, man, uh, what are we doing here? Uh, what do you think about the second Giants guy we grabbed? Can't recall the name. Oh, um, who was it? Was it John Ross? Wasn't there a guy that the Bengals drafted right before Mahomes? And he, yeah, you're you're talking about John Ross. Yeah, he he played for the Bengals for a little bit, did damn near nothing. Then he played for the Giants for a year, didn't do anything, and now he's here. Um, let me just say this, and not to um, I don't mean to like not answer your question directly. But let me just say this. Yeah, Richie James. Uh, yeah, that's another former Giants uh, guy that they uh, that they got. Here's my thing with the Chiefs. Because a lot of people are wondering, why are the Chiefs not getting a wide receiver? Um, I think the Chiefs are relying heavily on guys like Justin Ross, John Ross, Kadarius Toney. And then, you know, a guy like Richie James, you still have Marquez Valdez-Scaling. You have Sky Moore, who got off to a bit of a slow start, but picked things up as the season went along. I think the Chiefs are relying on these wide receivers that had a lot of hype coming into the NFL, but haven't done, a, haven't done anything. Justin Ross went undrafted because of injuries. Obviously missed all of last year. John Ross, a former first-round pick, he was taken one spot before Patrick Mahomes in 2017. You have Kadarius Toney, another former first-round pick. And I, you saw what Kadarius Toney did for the Chiefs, and Brett Veach commented on that today. The team was pleasantly surprised with how much he picked up the offense during the season. Um, you saw what the Chiefs did when they tried to get Josh Gordon in here. Josh Gordon could never figure things out in Kansas City, unfortunately. You look at Kadarius Toney, 
in the short amount of time he's been in Kansas City. This guy picked up the offense way faster than Josh Gordon has. And I know Josh Gordon's doing some good things for himself right now in the XFL, and I'm happy for him. I was really pulling for him in Kansas City, but he just never got it together. Couldn't figure it out in the preseason either. So I think the guys that the Chiefs have right now, guys like John Ross, Justin Ross, Kadarius Toney, who obviously has proven himself pretty well so far, we don't know anything about John Ross. We definitely don't know anything about Justin Ross in terms of NFL talent. These are guys that I think the Chiefs are relying on and probably putting a lot of faith in and hoping that they all live up to their pre-NFL hype. Because if they can revert back to that hype that they were receiving coming into the NFL... Well, Kansas City is going to, I mean, Tyreek Hill is going to be a long distant memory. You you just won a Super Bowl without him. Now, if the Chiefs, if things go in, in Kansas City's favor, you got some receivers who aren't quite the biggest names that are going to come through and deliver and give you a very strong chance at repeating, essentially. He's Rick James. Uh, it's a chip on the shoulder mentality. It's a healthy thing when used properly. Ken says, Kadarius Tony could be an absolute stud if he stays healthy. Cap friendly receiving core. Veach is a genius. Um, to go back to Blake's comment about the Kadarius Tony saying, yeah, yeah l- listen. I mean, there are a lot of players that had great potential, but some of them could never live up to that ever because... Their careers were derailed by by injuries. Um, Kadarius Tony, I mean, if he suffers one of those season-ending type of injuries, you know, what does the future hold for him? Hopefully, that doesn't happen. Nobody wants that to happen. Um, that guy, uh, he has drawn some comparisons to Tyreek Hill. You guys saw what he did in the Super Bowl. He had the longest punt return in NFL uh, Super Bowl history. Um, and he also came through uh, with a with a catch in the end zone. Obviously, a great play call by Andy Reid. But you know, what does the future hold for him if he suffers another injury? Because um, that was a concern in New uh, New York when he was unavailable for the Giants, and when he, when he was available, it just seemed like he could never get a grasp of the offense through multiple head coaches. But for, with Andy Reid. Figured it out. Yeah, I mean, look at Sammy Watkins. That's a good point, Teresa. Sammy Watkins has a championship. The guy got off to a fantastic start his rookie year. I remember at the time thinking, we were talking about, you know, passing on players or wishing you had certain guys. Sammy Watkins another one of those guys. that I know he went way too early, but still, you kind of wish you had him, and eventually he came to Kansas City. Um, but, yeah, he also had missed a lot of time because of injuries. Um, you look at a guy like Eric Berry, Jamal Charles, those guys had great careers. Probably could have had better careers if they played more. Um, Eric Berry suffered not one, but two season-ending injuries in week one. And then the last year he was with the Chiefs, he didn't play a game until, what, week 15 or 16? Something like that? And obviously, everyone knows Eric Berry's battle with cancer. He missed some time because of that as well. Jamal Charles. He suffered season-ending injuries early twice in his career, both torn ACLs. Um, and if those never happen, 
This guy probably puts up bigger numbers. Might still be playing today. Hard to say. Um, I don't like to speculate on that kind of thing, but um, yeah, you just never know. I think the Chiefs ultimately, I know we got off topic there. They're just relying on these receivers who there's a lot of potential with them. And I've said this about Andy Reid for a very, very, very long time. Andy Reid knows how to get players to play to their potential, even sometimes above their potential. Look at Alex Smith in 2013. That was his first year in Kansas City. That was also Andy Reid's first year in Kansas City. Alex Smith, the season he had in 2013 with the Chiefs, at the time, that was the best season he's ever had in his career. The best football Alex Smith played was in Kansas City by far. He had a couple of solid seasons in San Francisco. Jamal Charles, he had some some really good seasons before Andy Reid got here. When Andy Reid got here, Jamal Charles was a completely different running back. A much better running back that no one even thought was possible to get out of him. But Andy Reid found a way to do that. That right there was when I knew Andy Reid. I'll even say this over Bill Belichick. This guy probably is the best in NFL history when it comes to getting players to play at or even over their potential. So if he can do that with guys like Alex Smith, Jamal Charles, you saw Kadarius Toney, he was a far different wide receiver in Kansas City than he was in New York. So what about John Ross? What about Justin Ross? Richie James, if he makes the team. Sky Moore, you know, the jury's still out on him. We'll see what he can do with a year of experience under his belt. And obviously all these guys practicing together right now in Texas. I mean, that can only help, right? That can only help. So we'll see how it goes. We will see how it goes. Um, I'm excited to see what the Chiefs do with their receiving course. Speaking of receivers, Odell Beckham Jr., I was trying to start off with this. Um, you guys have been asking a lot of questions, so I'm probably going to ignore those for a little bit here so I can read some of these stories here. He signed a one-year $18 million deal, $15 million guaranteed to go play in Baltimore. Um, look, I don't think Odell Beckham Jr. is done. I think he's still got some football left in him. Here's the other thing I'm struggling with because I don't think I would ever want to spend $18 million on OBJ. But here's the other thing, too. Today in the NFL, what is considered a lot of money? Like $18 million to all of us, that's a shit ton of money. We could split that money uh, and it would still be a lot for all of us. Um, But in, in an NFL sense, all right, if we're using the NFL vocabulary, is $18 million a lot of money? I, I genuinely don't know the answer to that. I really don't. I'm just not sure if I would want the Chiefs to spend that much money on OBJ. Look, I don't know what the asking price is for Hopkins, but if he does come to Kansas City, it's probably going to be a first and or a second round pick. And if you are, it's going to be not necessarily like a Tyreek Hill type of trade, but something below that, slightly below that. It's going to be multiple resources to get him. I just don't know 
how the Ravens are going to do with him. Elaine just, just asked, is Lamar, do you think Lamar Jackson gets signed? I don't know. I don't know what he's asking. I know a lot of NFL players spoke out and felt like he was being disrespected. Look, I think Lamar Jackson is a good quarterback. I said a long time ago he'll get figured out. The guy's still playing well. Now, unfortunately, he's dealt with injuries in the past two years, missing a total of 10 games, I think. So, you know, that that, that plays a role when teams are de- trying to decide what to do with a player, especially at that quarterback position. Um, quarterbacks like Lamar Jackson are not going to agree to a prove-it deal. There's just no way. Um, but here's the ultimate question. Is Lamar Jackson even going to, realistically, do you have a realistic shot at getting to a Super Bowl with Lamar Jackson? Because you're in a conference that has Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, and Josh Allen. And then behind that, you've got Justin Herbert, probably Aaron Rodgers. I mean, is, is is Lamar Jackson really going to lead the Ravens to a championship? Because the Ravens are only going to pay that money if they realistically believe that he can truly get them to a championship. Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes, I mean, the Chiefs and Bengals, they've been the top two teams in the AFC the past two years. The AFC has been run by Mahomes and... And Burrow the last two years. The Bengals were in the Super Bowl the year before. The Chiefs were in the Super Bowl last year. So you got to find a way to get over the hump between uh, over those guys. And right now, if you want to rank the quarterbacks in the NFL, I would say one is Mahomes and two is Burrow. So you might as well just talk AFC rankings at this point. And there's a big gap between one and two right now. I don't care who's three and one against who. The guy that's got two rings and two MVPs, yeah, that guy, Patty Mahomes, he's number one, and there's a big gap between him and Burrow right now. So if Lamar Jackson, I mean, I don't even know where you put him in the discussion because he's certainly not in front of Josh Allen. I don't know I, I don't know what the Ravens do here. He's still not signed a deal yet. Uh, apparently, he's been having, he's been in close communication with OBJ. I just don't know how that's going to head out at the end of the day in Lamar's favor financially. I just don't. Um, I think everyone's got to be honest here. And look, if you want big money, dude, you gotta, you, you gotta, you gotta win. You gotta find a way to win games in January and February. Uh, Brett Veach was doing a, a press conference and he was asked about, um, about the contract that Jalen Hurts just got. And, you know, whether that's going to force the Chiefs to redo Patrick Mahomes' deal in the future. He talked about Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow getting their deals done. And then at once those two guys get their deals done, they'll revisit Patrick Mahomes' deal. He didn't mention Lamar Jackson in that sentence. Now, maybe he forgot in that moment, but there's probably a reason why he forgot. Because the first two guys that come to his mind are Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow. Those guys, and I know the Chargers have yet to win a playoff game with Herbert, but who do you like 
if you are, if you're an NFL team and you need a quarterback and the two guys available are Lamar Jackson and Justin Herbert, who are you going to get? Probably Justin Herbert. Because the style that Lamar Jackson runs, which is similar to what Michael Vick did in Atlanta, and there was limitations for Michael Vick when he was in Atlanta. Like I said, there are limitations to that. Now, when Mike Vick went to Philadelphia under Andy Reid, again, going back, going back to my point earlier about Andy Reid getting these guys to play above their potential, Michael Vick was a completely different quarterback in Philadelphia. A far more complete quarterback as an Eagle. Is Lamar Jackson going to be a more complete quarterback in Baltimore? Or is he going to do the same as the... Listen, what he's doing can work and get you to the playoffs. But if you're Baltimore, you don't care about just making the playoffs. You care about more. Like, you know a team that would care about making the playoffs? The Broncos, okay? They signed Russell Wilson to do more than that. But at this point, they just want to make the playoffs. The Raiders would love to make the playoffs and perhaps get a win. Because they've barely seen the playoffs in two decades. But a team like the Ravens, they're not looking to just make the playoffs. If they're going to hand Lamar Jackson a very beautiful contract with a bunch of zeros on it, it needs to be, it's, it's, it's got to end in a championship appearance at the very least. And I just don't know at the end of the day, if the Baltimore Ravens are realistically going to get that. Thursday night football. Could it be flexed? Possibly. Uh, we'll find out soon. Uh, ob- the obvious talking point about this is if an NFL fan purchase, uh, purchases tickets, and if this is a fan that's flying in from out of town or, or driving in, whatever, um, odds are most of the time, if you're going to go on a vacation for a football game, you're probably not going to go until Thursday night or Friday. At some point, you'll spend the entire weekend in that city. You end your, your, your vacation with that game and you head out either that night or Monday morning, probably would be smarter, smarter to do Monday morning. Cause you don't know if it gets flexed to Sunday night. Um, well, the NFL is... Uh, considering a Thursday night football flex possibility. So this really does screw over a lot of fans that are considering buying tickets while traveling. Um, I'll tell you this right now. If I ever wanted to see the Chiefs play in another city, I would not even consider buying a ticket if this is a consideration. Because if I want to go see the Chiefs play in Vegas on Sunday... And I'm not going to Vegas until Friday, and that game gets flexed to Thursday. Man, I, I got to get rid of these tickets. Now, I will say this. If the game gets flexed to Thursday night, it's probably going to be a good game because it got flexed to primetime. So selling the tickets probably won't be that difficult of a thing. But I don't think a fan ever wants to buy tickets only to sell it because the NFL changed their schedule completely. A situation, like remember a couple of years ago when Cam Newton got COVID and they pushed the Chiefs and Patriots game back one day? Like something like that, fans can completely understand. Like that's, especially at the time, people had no idea what was going on. Uh, people didn't really understand how to handle 
COVID at the time. Um, so people can understand situations like that. There was another game a few years ago where the Chiefs and Dolphins were playing in Miami, and they bumped it up from a Sunday to a Friday because of a, of a hurricane that the state of Florida was expecting. Like Situations like that, fans can completely understand. But to just flex a game from Sunday to Thursday just completely screws over a lot of fans here. Listen, let me just say something. Because Clark Hunt, who has said a lot of great things about Chiefs fans, good old Chiefs kingdom, right? He voted in favor of a Thursday night football flex option. Listen, you guys know me. I will always keep things 100 with you guys. I will always be honest. I'm never going to sugarcoat anything. If you are Clark Hunt, please do not ever say again that you care about your fans. Or player safety, for that matter. Because this also impacts player safety, too. Um, but I don't want to get into that. But we, we, we've discussed player safety so many times. I, I, I mean, this it's obvious. People know how this is bad for player safety. But don't ever say you care about your fans. If you really cared about your fans, you would at least consider the fact that there are some fans that are going to be screwed over by this. Yeah, sure, they might successfully sell their ticket to someone, but they don't want to purchase a ticket just to sell it because the game got moved three days sooner. That's just ridiculous. Listen, I, I'm not going to claim like I know every NFL owner in their personal lives, but they're, they're NFL owners. They're, they're mighty rich. If they need to go somewhere on a moment's notice, they can purchase first-class tickets anytime they want. They either have their own private jet or they can just purchase first-class flights. Um, I've seen Gracie Hunt, the daughter of Clark Hunt. I know she does a lot of uh, pageant modeling competitions. Uh, according to her social media, it looks a lot like she flies first-class. On the day of Chiefs games. For for those who don't know, the Hunt family, they don't live in Kansas City. They fly to the games on game day. I'm assuming on a private jet or first class. And they leave the same day. Um, they're not in they're barely in Kansas City. So this is not, you know, the, the owners, my point is the owners don't give a damn that you have to change up your entire vacation schedule or perhaps even sell your tickets and your vacation essentially goes to a waste. I do appreciate Giants owner John Mara speaking up for the fans on this. He had some good things to say and trying to essentially what I was saying, what a lot of fans have been saying. Ken says they do that because they're trying to get value for TV streaming contracts. Look, I understand that Ken, Amazon, this was their first year doing Thursday Night Football. They had one bad year of primetime and Amazon's losing their minds because they had a lot of shitty games this year. Look, if you, I don't know what the deal is in terms of how many years between Amazon and the NFL for Thursday Night Football. Let's just say 10 years, okay? In 10 years. If you expect all 10 years, all every single Thursday Night Football game is going to be a great one, you're out of your mind. You're going to have bad games and maybe even a bad year where Thursday night games are just not good. That'll happen sometimes. There have been times in the NFL where the primetime slate of games just have not been good. 
It's not. It doesn't happen often, but it it has happened sometimes. You'll go through a season, and a lot of the primetime games just aren't that good. So that happens. Um, give it another year because I know people have their opinions about third down in football. I like it. I know some players don't. Um, it it kind of helps go, the week go by a little faster, honestly. The work week, if you work Monday through Fridays. Um, I know not everyone does, but some do. Most do. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I like it a lot. Um, but flexing, no. That's a horrible idea. Okay, I do want to discuss the Kansas City Royals. Um, let me just preface that I don't know anything about baseball. I really don't. Um, funny, sto- funny quick story. Uh, I was writing for a KU student newspaper. I was a football writer for them. And then generally, you know, after each semester, um, if you're a returning student, if you're not graduating, they try to change your position up. They want you to do something different, preferably if you can. Um, they told me that they would like for me to stay on the football beat. And they also want me to be the base. They want me to put my hat, my name in the hat for the football or the baseball uh, beat writer job. Um, and I told the editor and the sport uh, assistant sports editor, I said, guys, I know nothing about baseball. I really don't. They're like, no, it's okay. It's okay. We, we, we just want you to, you know, put, just, just, just apply for the job. I'm like, okay, I will, but I, I know not like, you can't say no. What are you going to do? They gave it to me. Like there were other students that wanted that job so badly because they love baseball. Whereas me, I, I don't like baseball. I kind of hate it. Not going to lie. And they just, they gave it to me. Like you just spit in the face of every single person that wanted this job so badly, but they gave it to me. They're like, yeah, you're our most experienced writer. I'm like, guys, I do not know the terminology in baseball. Oh, it's okay. You'll be fine. Just, just go like what? Anyway, um, I don't know anything about baseball, but this is not a baseball conversation that I'm trying to have here. Uh, I will say this, just had to do a little bit of research here to look up the Royals and their performance so far. As of Wednesday night, they have the worst batting average at 208. The Tigers are at 218. The Padres are at 223. They have the worst on-base percentage. Second fewest hits, two more than Detroit. They have the second worst score differential. Oakland is way worse than the Royals. They're tied for the second fewest runs which is uh, they've got two more than Detroit. They're tied for the third worst with Detroit for fewest home runs. The Nationals have the fewest, and the Guardians have the second fewest. The Royals have been struck out the sixth most in baseball. They're 4-15, second worst record in all of baseball behind Oakland's 3-16. Now, there's all this talk about Vegas spending a lot of money on 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 the Athletics Stadium. Yeah, sure, the Athletics are terrible right now, but... Vegas is getting a team. They're not building a brand new stadium within the city. They're just happy to get a team at this point. The Royals already, Kansas City has a baseball team. But if you guys recall, because why am I bringing this up? Because back in November, the Royals, they've been in serious talks about getting a downtown stadium. There have been a lot of rumors. And then in November, the Royals revealed a 2 billion dollar stadium plan um, just north of the downtown area I believe uh, close to where the Casey Current are building their stadium listen it's 2023 okay we're about seven or eight years away from this potentially new stadium but 
I've also been alive long enough to know this same song and dance. Oh, we got a great farm system and we got some young, hungry players coming up, some young blood. And it's going to be the Royals are going to step up and do better. I've heard that so many times and the Royals just have not been good. They just haven't. The only the only two years where they've been great in my lifetime, 2014 and 2015. Since I mean, the last time before that was 1985. 2003 was a, a, a very good year, although they collapsed in the month of September and missed the playoffs. Uh, 2013 was an okay year. 2016 was also an okay year. Outside of that, the Royals have just been flat out terrible. They haven't even been close to competing. Um, they've gotten off to good starts a couple of times. I remember in 09, they got off to a really good start. They were like 18 and 11. A lot of people thought they, this, they could be a serious contender for the World Series. But with the Royals right now, why do I want to see them and the, and the city invest $2 billion on a brand new stadium? Ask yourself that. What there are a lot of things you can do, and listen, I know the mayor, uh, Quentin Lucas. And listen, I I like him. There are some things I don't agree with him on. Um, I I think for the most part he's been good. Um, I know he's been harping on the fact that downtown stadiums look beautiful and gorgeous. I'm sure they do. Um, I've seen the photos. There are a lot of downtown stadiums in in baseball and in football, and they look great. They do. It, it looks awesome. You see it on uh, when you watch an NFL game. CBS will show the stadium, and you can see um, the downtown skyline like a backdrop. It's perfect. It looks beautiful. It looks it looks great. I'm not shitting on it at all. But if we're going to invest two billion dollars, and I don't know how much of it John Sherman wants to invest, I don't know how much of it he wants the city to pay for. I'll say this right now. The first year the Royals have that brand new stadium. Yeah, a lot of people are going to go. I don't know if the Royals are going to be top 10 in attendance in baseball, but they're going to have a lot of people that will attend no matter how terrible the Royals are. If they still are terrible, people are still going to want to want to go because they want to check out the brand new stadium. It's going to be a story for for a while. Um, The media is going to talk about for a long time when the Chiefs and Royals did the renovations in 2010, I think they finally were complete. Um, I mean, people were talking about those renovations for, for a few weeks because that was a big deal. That was a huge deal. I mean, the Royals, the, 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 the fountain has always been like a staple for Kauffman Stadium. It's always been considered one of the best stadiums in all of baseball because of the way the fountains look. Well, now you added seats in those areas and it looks like a much more different stadium. Still got the same vibe with the fountains and all. Um, and people talked about that, the scoreboard, the, uh, the, uh, restaurants that they have in the stadium, all those things that, uh, I mean, that was a huge deal around that time, but now, you know, if you're going to invest $2 billion on a baseball team, this baseball team better win, man. I'm not saying it has to be world series or bust. 
Well, win some games. The Royals aren't even competitive this year. They are getting... Look, I'm not, I know there are some diehard Royals fans listening, okay? Um, albeit, I don't think even some of those diehards even care this year. Uh, just look at the attendance. Look at the interest level. Um, but let's be honest. Let, let's call a spade a spade. The Royals are getting their asses kicked in games this year. I mean, it's embarrassing the type of baseball they're playing. Uh, like I said, I, I, I don't know anything about baseball. It's really not a sport I'm knowledgeable at. But, you know, I know the basics here. And when you look at just the basics, you know, runs, hits. The Royals are struggling immensely in those areas. Why do I want $2 billion invested in this team? And again, I don't know how much of it John Sherman's going to uh, contribute. I don't know how much of it he wants taxpayers to to, to pay for. Um, I'm sure he's going to want taxpayers to pay for more than half of it, for sure. I'm just not sure if that's something... That's good for the city, ultimately. Do you guys want to see $2 billion invested? Like, again, I'm sure it's going to look beautiful. I'm sure there, you know, you've got the rival sports bar. You've got craft and draft. Like, those things are awesome. I've sat in both of those before. They really are great. Um, the renovations that they did about 13, 14 years ago at Coffin Stadium, they are beautiful. They really are. Um, and I'm sure it'll be even better having it downtown. Um, but what are you going to gain from this? Because after the first year, like once the curiosity phase of this brand new stadium is over, if this team isn't winning games, you're going to have a brand new $2 billion stadium with a lot of empty seats. Remember in 2015, I remember this, a lot of people were complaining that Royals tickets, even like the cheapest ticket, they people cannot afford that problem. You don't have that issue right now. I've heard a lot of people complain on my page and say that chiefs tickets are ridiculously expensive. Well, yeah, they've been to the, they, not just not the, the, the fact that they've been, they have hosted the AFC championship game five years in a row. So yeah, of course the, their prices are going to be higher. Um, I did. I, I responded that way to another to, to to the commenter, and he said, "Oh, I just care about having fun. Uh, I, I just want to be at the stadium and have fun and not pay so much for it." It's like, okay, well, part of fandom is you. Got, I mean, I, listen, if you're taking like a little kid, I mean, kids love being at games, right? Um, yeah, sure. I'm sure kids want to see a win, but they are just they they love basking in the moment of being at the stadium. Um, thanks, bud. I appreciate it. Uh, I don't know at the end of the day, if $2 billion for a Royal stadium is even something worth considering at the moment. Listen, a lot can happen seven years from now, but I said it before. I've seen this so many times. The Royals just have not been competitive outside of two phenomenal years in 2014 and 2015 the royals have not been competitive that a couple of competitive years okay fine 20 uh 2003 2013 2016 that's it those are the only five years where the royals either went as far as they could 
or came close to making the playoffs. That's it. That's all I can say about them. Um, again, I don't want to shit on this idea because I I think it's awesome to get a new stadium and all and all this stuff. Honestly, I and again I, I don't know like the the if the Chiefs announce right now that they're they want a brand new stadium downtown, everyone will go nuts over this story. There are going to be a lot of questions about parking and traffic, but you know what's going to happen if the if if the Chiefs do get a new stadium downtown if it's a dome. I know some people have their opinions about domes, but if you get a dome, guess what you're going to get? You're going to get Final Fours in Kansas City. You're probably going to be considered for WrestleManias in the future. And that's no longer a one-night event. That's now a two, that's a two-night deal now. Um, Took my kids to the preseason game because that's all I could afford, Chris says. Yeah, yeah, I understand. Melinda says, I like my Royals, but they have no pitchers. They need pitchers. So very true on tickets, Royals, uh, and the Chiefs tickets are so expensive. Yeah, I mean, listen, when you've got a good product out there, um, people are going to pay a great price for it. Um, But the Royals right now, listen, here's what I will say about the Royals. Because their attendance will go up. It, It does during the summer. You got summer fireworks on Fridays. You got, um, have they done any of the college days like KU Day, K-State Day, Mizzou Day, Wichita State Day? I know they do Oklahoma City Thunder Day, Star Wars Day, Marvel Day. Do they still do Marvel Day? I don't know. I mean, they have these promotions that they do. The bobblehead giveaways. I mean, those were a big hit a few years ago, if you guys recall that. Um, especially the Mustakis one. Um... I mean, the Royals, like right now, they are relying on their marketing days. Like if you're working in the marketing department for the Royals, dude, you are probably working a lot of hours right now. How in the hell do we put butts in seats at the moment? If this is even something that's even being, like if we have to even say that right now, why are we thinking about a $2 billion stadium if the team is not going to show any improvement anytime soon. Again, seven years is a long ways away. I acknowledge that, folks. But, again, I've seen this so many times with this baseball team. They've been bad for so many years. I just don't know if I want to see that much money, especially when I know taxpayers are going to pay more than half of it, if that's something I'm going to see right now. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh college hoops. I want to I want to touch on this for a moment because Kansas State had a phenomenal run in the NCAA tournament. Um they were a lot of fun to watch this year. They went to the Elite Eight, obviously one game away uh from a Final Four. What is it? It's been 59 years since K-State's been to a Final Four. Boy, what a story that would have been. Let me ask this. What does the future hold for Jerome Tang? the head coach of Kansas State, because this was his first year there. You know what this reminds me of? It's not getting that kind of attention right now, but if Kansas State has another good season, it will. Remember when KU got off to a hot start this year and they finished 6-6, six and six, got to their first bowl game in forever? Um, And people are talking about how the future is bright with KU because of... Lance Leipold. Well, before KU extended Lance Leipold, what was all the talk about? Oh, Nebraska is going to steal him. Oh, no. Arizona State fired Herm Edwards. They're going to try to steal him. Uh, Colorado just let go of their head coach. They're going to try to steal him. 
any college program that fired their head coach was rumored at one point to try to steal Lance Leipold from Kansas. And what did Kansas do? The right thing. They extended Lance Leipold before any team could do seriously try to steal him away from KU. They extended him through 2029. Because Kansas is not a football school. We know that. Okay? We all know that. But Kansas State, kind of in the same sense where... And let me say this, you know, I know a lot of K-State fans. I've been to K-State before. Um, I've been to a football game, never been to a basketball game in Manhattan. Um, Their fans are awesome. I mean, they're into it. Uh, Not not, not a fan of their fans, but they're they're into it. Uh, I'll I'll leave it at that. Uh, But my point is, um, if Kansas State's having a bad basketball season, you know people are not going to care for it. A bad basketball season in Lawrence doesn't exist. If... Kansas State gets off to a hot start next year. I would bet a lot of money that there are going to be a lot of rumors about other college basketball programs trying to steal Jerome Tang from Kansas State. If I'm Kansas State's AD, I'm keeping a very positive relationship with Jerome Tang. I will do everything in my power to make sure Jerome Tang stays at Kansas State, because you cannot afford to lose a guy like that. A YouTuber got shot after trying to do one of his in-person pranks at a mall. Um, There are a lot of YouTubers who do this. They also share some clips on TikTok and Twitter and Facebook and whatnot, and that kind of helps with their growth. (sighs) Um, Oh, boy. Look, I, I'll be honest. I've seen some of these videos, uh, and, and I've laughed. They're hilarious. Um, there's one guy from Kansas City. His name is Big Doss TV. Uh, his real name is Dawson Gurley. He's actually named after Len Dawson. Pretty cool story. Um, he and his friends, uh, one of them also from Kansas City, uh, Juan Gonzalez, whose channel name is That Was Epic, they do a lot of really cool things where they go to campuses, and because they've made so much money over the years, they actually, a lot of their videos are now like them handing out like the brand new iPhone to to people or handing out PlayStation 5s, like 10 of them to 10 different people. Um, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll go to restaurants and film and they'll give the waiter a $1,000 tip, like, you know, something along those lines now. Um... There have been other YouTubers, though, where they do these in-person videos, but they kind of take it to another level where they're essentially pranking these people. They walk up to employees at a Walmart and they mess with them. Um, They walk up to people on the streets or at malls and they say silly shit and mess with them. Um, And they're supposed to, you know, their whole thing is, oh, it's just a joke. It's funny. And the viewers watching that. They're laughing, thinking, oh, this guy's angry for no reason. Well, here's the thing. You never know if someone's having a really shitty day. And, you know, one small joke like that for a YouTube video might put them to a breaking point and want to do something. I I don't know the details. I don't think the details were released about this other than the YouTuber got shot and he is recovering. I, I saw he posted something on his, um, on his social media, but... You know, the problem with content creators right now, um, you know, I do a lot of content. Um, Some people do in-person pranks like 
a lot of YouTubers. I, and I, don't, I didn't catch this guy's name. I've seen a couple of his videos. They weren't necessarily funny. There's actually one video where he is yelling at his cameraman and saying, hey, man, stop filming me. And he's trying to get the attention of like the employees that of the establishment he's at. And he's basically saying, hey, this guy's, you know, this guy's trying to film me. And the employees are trying to get in between them because they're trying to stage like they're about to fight each other. Like they want to fist fight. And you have these employees who have other things to do with their time who are physically trying to separate the cameraman and the talent guy, whatever you want to call him, the comedian. And they're trying to do a funny YouTube video. Um, Man, it's like... Personally, I'm kind of surprised this hasn't happened before. Or maybe it hasn't. It just never went to the newswire. I don't know. I posted this story and a lot of you guys said, play stupid games, win stupid prizes. I could not disagree with that. I Listen, I've watched some of these videos and they're funny. I think some of them are done right. Um... But then there are some that are a little cringe where, you know, you're kind of pushing people's buttons intentionally. And even if you tell them it's a joke, not all of them are going to think it's funny and and and, and like the idea. Um, and generally, when, when people don't like the idea, they still upload the video. What they do is they blur out the person's face so they're not they can't sue or anything. Um, listen, I'm sure these people make a lot of money doing these YouTube pranks. Uh, at malls, stores, restaurants, college campuses, wherever. Um, again, you just never know if someone's having a bad day or what. Not everyone's going to have the, oh, have a sense of humor pers- type of reaction. They're just not. Um, I'm not saying I, I wish anything terrible on this YouTuber. Not at all. But when you film YouTube videos... You got to understand, um, these things kind of come with, uh, with the risk of violence. In this case, unfortunately, it involved a gun. Uh, hopefully he recovers. Hopefully, you know, the justice system will, uh, do the right thing. I don't know what the right thing is at this point. I don't know if the guy who pulled out the gun felt threatened. Um, kind of just depends on, obviously this is all on camera. So you're going to have to. You, if you're the YouTuber that got shot and you think you have a case to win here, I guess you got to show the footage. I don't know. Um, I'm sure. I, I'm sure some. I'm sure this guy, at the very least, is rethinking what to do for a living. Because um, this ain't it. If it happened once, it's bound to happen again to somebody. You just never know who. All right. I, I want to touch on this real quickly. I know a lot of people have talked about the Mahomes family. With Brittany and Jackson and and Randy and just the amount of weird attention they've received over the years, specifically Brittany and Jackson. Um, Brittany did a and a on her Instagram, uh, which I think is cool when people do that. Um, I, I do that sometimes with my followers. Um, I don't answer every single question. I do get some weird personal questions. I don't feel the need to answer those. Brittany got some very interesting questions like... Do you get jealous of guys going after Patrick or girls going after Patrick? Um, do you have bodyguards? Who the hell asks an athlete's wife if they have bodyguards? Like if, if I was ever like given the chance to ask Brittany 10 questions, 
I would not even think about asking if she has a bodyguard. That's like the last thing that would ever come to my mind. Um, then, you know, you're kind of getting like more personal, um, where she's being asked, how many cars do you have? And she says seven. How many houses do you have? Three. It's like, boy, I mean, you know, yeah, sure. People are asking and they want to know, but even that, just a response to that, like the, just a basic response is quite the flex. You got three houses and seven cars. God bless you. Um, and then on the next question, it wasn't even a question. It was just a fan saying that how much he or she loves Brittany and Patrick and they feel like they don't show off with their money or anything like that. Oh boy, the timing of that just did could not have been any funnier. Um, and then there was another thing about a, a topic of privacy came up and Brittany said she just wants, she and her family just want privacy. I'm sorry, but when you're filming yourself spraying champagne during a game, uh, and, and not to say that's like a private moment in her life, but listen, Brittany posts a lot of things. Um, I've, I, she's even like shared comments, random comments Jackson's made at times. Um, again, they're not harming anyone, but don't go on social media and say you want privacy and then answer a bunch of personal questions about your life. Um, like I said, I do these Q and A's and I've been asked like some real personal questions, but I don't want to answer them. I, I just pass over them. Um, I remember uh, after the whole champagne thing happened, it got national attention. She tweeted saying, I wish I could post things and people don't talk about them folks. She's got more than a million social media followers. Um, now that Brady and Giselle divorced, I think Brittany has more followers than any NFL wife or girlfriend in the NFL. So you post something, it's going to be talked about. Um, especially in the way that she does. Again, like her, like the way she's walking to the stadium and going through the tunnel, doing like a runaway model walk or whatever. And listen, do what you want. You're not harming anyone. I don't care. But don't do that. And then... A day later on social media say, oh man, I need privacy or I wish people would not, uh, I wish I could post things and people not talk about them. You got a big following, the things you post are going to get talked about, plain and simple. I just thought it was a little weird. Like, again, I, I don't, I don't, I, I, I'll do not condone the hateful comments that she's gotten. I've criticized her at times and I've done it without attacking her. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't agree with the attacks one bit. But if you're wondering why, if Brittany specifically is wondering, why does she get so much hate? Well, I think the self-unawareness here, it just in that Q&A alone was telling. Um, look, I don't know if she's got a PR person or, or if anyone's telling her anything or if people only tell her what she wants to hear. Um, again, you know, I'm not here to attack her. You know, do what you, do what you want to do. As long as you're not hurting anyone or saying anything terribly controversial, you do you. But don't don't do you, and then complain that people are reacting to your social media commentary, because that's never a battle you're going to win. All right, quick hits here. Uh, I got several of these, so let's talk about these and then wrap up the podcast. The Patriots are they shopping Mac Jones? That's been a rumor out there. They're supposedly seeking uh, a quarterback. They're they're interested in some of the quarterbacks in the draft. Is Belichick the problem? Listen, 
I liked Mac Jones. He got off to a very slow start like the first five or six weeks. It's a rookie quarterback being stuck into Bill Belichick's system, okay? I'm sure there are a lot of growing pains with that. Mac Jones on the Patriots actually played very well after that slow start. In fact, I remember the Patriots had the number one seed at one point, and people were actually saying that the Patriots actually might be the most complete team in football. Since then, Mac Jones has not been the same quarterback. I thought Mac Jones had a very good rookie season. Got off to a very slow start, and then the last three or four weeks of the regular season, the Patriots just crash into a brick wall. I don't know what happened with them. Since then, they have not been the same team. They, The way they operated last year was weird. Was Belichick the problem? Can Bill O'Brien come in and help? I don't know. I think it's too early to give up on Mac Jones, but I think this is a make-or-break year for Mac Jones. In fact, I'll even say this. I think it's also a make-or-break year for Bill Belichick. If Bill Belichick does not get it going at the age of 71 with the... Patriots this year, I think it's time to uh, to look for a new head coach. At 71, man, I know he's done so much for that franchise, but you gotta you gotta start going in a, another direction. All good things have to come to an end at some point. Uh, two NBA teams. I think this was on the last day of the regular season. Two NBA teams had teammates physically fighting each other: the Timberwolves and the Clippers. The Timberwolves one was a little weird because that was Rudy Gobert actually hitting his teammate in the face. Look, shit happens, okay? Uh, Patrick Mahomes going at it with his offensive coordinator was a big deal. Um, as if that's never happened in NFL history before. Uh, athletes have egos. Coaches have egos. They all want to do things the right way, their way. But if you feel the need to get physical with a teammate, you're an idiot. You are an idiot. Um... There's no other way. That's, that's all I have to say about that. Uh, NBA playoffs are here. Uh, quite honestly, uh, the play-ins I think are dumb. But we had two really good games. The Lakers, they overcame a huge comeback, a 15-point comeback against the Timberwolves. Thank God for the Timberwolves. That didn't spell the end of the season for them because with that fight and that blown lead, um, that would have been a terrible way to end the season for them. But they had a chance. They still made it, and they're still alive. For now, uh, the Bulls also had a nice comeback. Down by 19, I think, against the Raptors. By the way, the Lakers, I know a lot of people think, like, they're, they're the number seven seed, and people think they could be that scary number seven seed that we haven't ever seen before at number seven. I don't know, man. The Lakers are getting off to slow starts in every single one of their playoff games so far. You can't rely on coming back every single time. You just can't. You're not going to win that way. Um, the series is going to move to LA now, so I'm curious to see what happens in that one against Memphis, but, uh, they got to play better basketball hundred percent. LeBron James, uh, turning the ball over way too much lately. Um, this is interesting. So the trash pandas, and I'll be honest, I don't remember what minor league affiliate, uh, trash pandas affiliate. Okay, they are part of the L.A. Dodgers, or L.A. Angels, excuse me. Um, the Rocky City Trash Pandas, yeah, they are part of the um, L.A. Angels farm system. Uh, they had a very interesting game where they threw a no-hitter and they lost. 
They lost by a score of 7-5. to five. Okay, here's a sequence of events that led to that. In the uh, so they were playing a they were it was a doubleheader, so in a minor league doubleheader they only play seventh inning seven innings excuse me, uh, the Trash Pandas were up three nothing going into the seventh and final inning. However, when their opponents were batting, it was a walk, walk, pop out, walk, a strikeout, still three zero, an error that scored two runs. Bases loaded, hit by a pitch, hit by a pitch again, hit by a pitch again, a walk, a wild pitch. Now it's 7-3, Trash Pandas losing, hit by a pitch, and strikeout. Ladies and gentlemen, the Trash Pandas threw a no-hitter as a team, and they lost 7-5. That's pathetic. That is pathetic. Listen, if you... If you don't get a base hit and you score five runs, I don't care how many times you get hit by a pitch or how many errors there are, that is impressive as hell to me. Good on you, whoever against the Trash Pandas. A little bit of UFC talk here. UFC 287, awesome main event. Izzy got back his belt in the best way possible. He did mock Alex Pereira's kid after the fight, taunting him after Pereira's kid. Also, he taunted Izzy when Izzy got knocked out. When Izzy knocked out Pereira, Izzy responded with the same taunt. Listen, let me just say this because um, MMA fighters, the thing I respect so much about them, they are open and honest about everything. They wear their emotions on their sleeve. They really do. They are not secretive about their emotions. If they're upset, they will let it be known. Another fighter's kid mocking the, the the father's opponent. Oh, that'll get to you. That'll get to you. Me personally, I got no problems with Izzy mocking Alex Pereira's kid. You want to mock fighters? You want to mock the the uh, opponents of your father? Well, then, you know what this reminds me of? It's almost like the, because uh, a lot of people are like, oh, how could Izzy do this to a kid? It's almost like uh, when a bully tries to pick on every single person that he can pick on in the school that's smaller than him. And then when he gets picked on, oh my God, how, how dare anyone pick on this this kid? Uh, someone much taller picked on the bully. Like, how dare he? Uh, come on, man. Y- you you want to taunt your, your father's opponents and then, you know, play victim when it happens to you? Get the fuck out of here. Come on. Uh, good on Izzy. K- UFC KC? Was last week, Max Holloway thrived. He dominated back in the title hunt again for him. Zach Cummings, a Kansas City native, and Ed Herman. Great fight between those two. Uh, Both of them retired in the octagon, which I think was awesome. That was a really special moment. Dana White, however, was not happy about Bill Algio. Algio, you know, he called Casey a dump and was faking his retirement. He called Casey a dump because... He was in his feelings about these Eagles Tears drinks. And then um, Clay Guida also faked a retirement because he wanted microphone time to wish someone a happy birthday. Um, Look, I saw the uh, response. People were criticizing Dana White and they said, look, pretend it's the Nelk boys talking and Dana White would not have a problem with it. Um, I thought that was actually pretty funny. They got a new podcast with Donald Trump out. Um, I actually need, need to check it out. I, I thought their last one was good. 
Um, I felt like they were kind of easy on him with certain questions, but neither here nor there. I thought it was a good podcast overall. I know I got a big deal when it got taken down and whatnot. Um, look, uh, the fake retirements are stupid. If you want to say something, all you have to do is just get Daniel Cormier or Joe Rogan's attention or whoever's doing the interviews, just get their attention and you will get microphone time. There was no reason to stage a fake, a fake retire. Like that was just dumb. That was dumb. Uh, one thing I got to criticize here, Jason Whitlock, by the way, I hope the UFC comes back soon for a pay-per-view this time. It's gotta be a pay-per-view. You you owe these fans, man. Both times the UFC has been to Kansas city. I mean, the prelims were just packed. They were packed. They were awesome. Um, Jason Whitlock, uh, he went after Mina, uh, Mina Kynes. Mina Kynes received a really weird, racial joke from a Boston radio host. It's weird. It's just, this is the same uh, radio station that made fun of Tom Brady's agent. Who's Asian making stereotypical Asian jokes. It's also the same station where their idiot, uh, part-time host went after Tom Brady's daughter. Um, imagine like going after like, like the, the city that has the best quarterback in NFL history, Tom Brady, seven Super Bowl wins, right. Um, brought all that success to, to new England and they go after his daughter and his agent. Like, what the hell are you doing? Um, like that is the best way to get all the fans in that city to go against your station. But anyway, uh, that station did that. They did it again. They made, um, some racial Mina kinds jokes. Jason Whitlock had some interesting responses to this um, because Mina Kynes obviously took offense to the comments and Whitlock decided to respond to her taking offense. Whitlock out of nowhere goes, oh, she's not even that good or that talented. She's not, she doesn't know what she's talking about. You never had this opinion before the controversy, but now because she, you know, there was a racial joke about her and it got a lot of attention. You all of a sudden have this weird opinion about her and her skills. Listen, I'm not the biggest fan of Mina Kynes personally. I don't, I don't follow her work. I kind of had a negative interaction with her once because she refused to look at all the details and all the facts in the Tyree Kill story. So as a national journalist, she basically tried to shut down any of the facts that I was trying to tell her about, which I thought was interesting. Um, that's my only beef with Mina Kynes. I don't know what kind of work she does on ESPN. It could be good. It could be terrible. I don't know. I, I don't pay attention. I don't, I don't watch a lot of that stuff. Um, but I think it's so interesting. Like Jason Whitlock going after her during a time when she's, she faced like this racial stereotypical Asian joke. People do this often too. Like they'll have an opinion about someone during the weirdest times. Like, like if someone, I see this often on my social media. Like if someone blocks someone on Twitter, they'll all of a sudden have this, have this negative opinion. Of, oh, this person never was never intelligent. This person had never, they never had anything positive to say about sports or they don't know what they're talking about. Their tweets are terrible. It's like, wait a minute. You were following this person, but because they blocked you, all of a sudden, this person's content, this person's quality of work is terrible to you. Like, it is the weirdest uh, hypocritical thing. It's our society, though. I mean, l listen, we talked about YouTube pranks earlier. This is what people do. Um, they all of a sudden have negative opinions about someone over a block or over one controversial moment. People do this about... Uh, 
politicians all the time too. Like you disagree with a politician on one thing. All of a sudden you have a list of things you hate about them. It's like, where did all these things come from? Uh, two more things. A restaurant in New York city is facing a lawsuit because of a scalding plate that fell on an infant, according to a mother in a lawsuit, causing permanent damage to the infant's face. I don't know how old we're talking specifically. Uh, this is Coco Bistro in the, oh, I don't know what the name of this district is, but it's in the New York City. It's in New York City, uh, close to Times Square. Uh, by the way, this is from the New York Post. I heard this on KMBZ. Um, great news station, by the way, uh, the radio station, KMBZ as in zebra, not KMBC. Of course you had that in Kansas city, two stations that sound almost exactly alike. Uh, but I'm talking about the radio station. Um, they shared the story from the New York post and I thought it was intriguing. I read the story for myself. It's a very vague article. Um, it doesn't explain why the plate fell on this infant, but they did kind of speculate on this as to whether or not kids were running around and um, if they bumped into the server while he or she was holding this plate, I don't know. Um, But this is an example of journalism where you only share one side of the story. You don't get the other side. I know they mentioned they did not receive a comment back, but at least like whoever side you listen to and wrote about at least ask questions were kids running around because that could probably play a role because the restaurant claims they are not responsible that's the only thing they have said publicly is that they don't claim any responsibility for this which tells me if the restaurant's standing by that these kids were probably let loose running around bumping into people which by the way if you're a parent and you allow your kid to do that you suck you absolutely suck. Yeah, I was a kid at one point, but you know what my parents did? They made sure I behaved when I was at a restaurant. They didn't let me run around and bump into servers or other patrons at the restaurant. Um, I will, I won't dismiss that possibility here. Um, cause that kind of shit does happen at restaurants. I've seen that before. Um, I remember I was in Vegas once I was at Holstein's burger. Fantastic place, by the way, check it out. There was a, like a, a two-year-old constantly walking up to me, hitting me on my knee. I mean, I wasn't hurting or anything, but it's like, okay, dude, and it was happening like every two minutes. And I looked at the parent, the father, and I, I didn't say anything cause I didn't want to scare the kid, but I gave this look like, dude, do your fucking job as a parent, like get your, like with diseases and all this shit in the world, you don't want your kid close to other people in Vegas of all places. Like Get your kid, get him to sit down and stop letting him go up to me. You want to let him go to someone else? Fine, whatever. But at some point, you got to do your job as a parent. Okay, this story got national attention. Kansas City was the center of attention for a couple of days for all the wrong reasons. The Ralph Yarl story, he was shot by Andrew Lester, who eventually turned himself in. But he was under KCPD's custody and was not detained. And I think that is a very serious point of discussion here that needs to be looked into. Um, 
the whole incident is that this boy, this 16 year old boy was trying to pick up his brothers or trying to go to his aunt's house. And he went to the wrong door. Listen, that's happened before. Okay. People have gone to wrong doors before. Um, I've had food delivery drivers, pizza delivery drivers come to my door when I didn't order anything. Uh, I have the urge to want to accept the free food, but that would obviously be the wrong thing to do. Um, Listen, I've knocked on wrong doors at times. I had a, I had a friend once telling me to go to a 114, uh, 115th court. I didn't even know what court meant. I thought he just meant, I thought he like misspelled street. Uh, and I went to 115th street and I'm like, oh, this is the wrong house. So uh, this is back in high school, by the way. So, you know, I've rang on wrong doorbells before. I think everyone has at some point. If you're a delivery driver, like a food delivery driver or... Um, like a UPS, FedEx, Amazon delivery driver. Like, I mean, everyone has gone to the wrong door before. Um, I think everyone at some point has received a knock on the door from someone that made a mistake at the door. They, they, they thought that they were knocking on someone else's door. If they, Listen, I'm the type of person where I would like to see all the facts if there's footage Evidence. If there's a ring doorbell video of any of this, I'd like to see it. But it appears there aren't any further details other than this kid just, you know, made an honest mistake and went to the wrong door. I had um, I had Wi-Fi issues earlier this week. AT and T, the uh, t- the technician, he told me he went to the wrong door before coming to mine. It's like, thank goodness no one you know lost your shit for anything like that because that does happen. Um, well, listen, I'm not here to do a gun debate or anything like that. Although I will say this with, you know, another recent school shooting. Um, what are the politicians going to do, man? I don't know. Other than debate each other and fight each other, I don't think they're going to do much other than um, not find a solution. Corey's asking, how is your COVID? Oh, it, it was it was rough. Um, it was kind of up and down, too. By the way, that's part of the reason why I couldn't do a podcast for a while. So for those who, who know, I was on vacation. I was in Mexico for my brother's birthday. Awesome time. A lot of drinks. Uh, good times. I was actually ready to do a podcast a week after my trip. Then that's when I got COVID. Um, I don't think it came from Mexico. It could have. I don't know. I'm not Anthony Fauci. Uh, but um, I did, uh, you know, the whole thing with it was my first time getting it. Uh, even when you test negative, you still kind of have that aftermath with your lungs. I have not actually worked out at the gym yet. I have actually gained some weight. So, you know, hopefully the camera is uh, able to hide that, but, um, I've gained a few pounds, so it it, it really sucks. I've been trying to eat, just trying to kind of have, have all that. But, um, I've been doing like basic things lately, like actually being able to do housework and all that. Um, cause I could barely move around. Like even just going up and down the stairs felt like a full workout, um, because it, it impacts your lungs and all that. Um, you guys all know about that with COVID, but yeah, that's part of the reason why I couldn't do a podcast for a while was dealing with a lot of coughs and just would not be able to do a, a good quality podcast. So that's part of the reason why we didn't do one for a while. Uh, and then the Wi-Fi issue, like I mentioned, 
So yeah, finally back doing the podcast. Uh, appreciate those who joined us live. If you if you listen to the podcast version, greatly appreciate it as well. Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever. If you tuned in late during the live version, you can check the podcast out on all those podcasting apps. It'll be uploaded shortly for those listening live. If you are listening to the archived version and you want to listen live, just make sure you're following me on my Facebook page at Farzim Vesugian. I will do a live stream, not a live podcast, but a live stream uh, during the NFL draft, not the entire NFL draft, but at different points. Appreciate it, Kevin. Appreciate it, Elaine. Thank you guys for joining us. Um, so make sure you guys join for the NFL draft. I'll also do a pre-draft NFL live stream as well. I don't know if I'm going to do like a pre-draft podcast, um, but I'll do something before the draft. And obviously the day of the draft in Kansas City, I'll be doing a live stream as well. So check that out. All right. As far as you was in. Check out the social media. It's in the description. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all that good stuff. Subscribe to the podcast. Let your friends know about it. Share the links. Until then, I will talk to you guys later. Peace out. Enjoy your weekend.